Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I'm Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I am chatting with Michael Kaplan about your legal rights after brain injury. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and Movement Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey Moving Forward After Brain Injury. More about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, only course in the nation devoted to, to traumatic brain injury law. He's board certified as a civil trial advocate by the National Board of Trial Advocacy and is board certified in medical malpractice and a member of the Board of Governors of the American Board of Professional Liability Attorneys. Michael serves on the executive board of the Interstate Bus Litigation Group of the American. Association for Justice, and is a member of the New York State Traumatic Brain Injury Services Coordinating Council. He was, an in, he was invited by President Obama to be a participant in the 2014 White House Healthy Kids and Safe Sports Concussion Summit and serves as a member of the American Academy of Neurology Concussion Workgroup. Michael served three terms as president of the Brain Injury Association of New York State. And he is a past chairperson of the American Association for Justice, Automobile, Highway, and Premise Liability Section, and past chair of the AAJ Traumatic Brain Injury Litigation Group. So welcome to the podcast, Michael. I'm so happy to have you here today. Well, thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. You have such an impressive, I remember I had to cut down your, uh, your bio because it was too long to fit into um, the blog talk radio format. But I'm like, I can't cut anything out. It's so good. <laughs> We're, I'm so happy to have you as an ally in the brain injury community. And it was and a I pleasure to have you. And it was such a pleasure to meet you in March out in D.C. Um, it was so great to put a, a face to a name. And I know I've been following you and you've been following me. So it's always really neat to meet people in person. <laughs> so, Michael, um, you are also today receiving an award. Um, and we had to kind of re- reschedule your podcast time. Um Tell us a little bit about that. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you. I'm receiving uh, an award today at the George Washington University Law School uh, for um, my teaching here for the past five years, Generation of Lawyers on How to Effectively Represent an Individual 
who has sustained a traumatic brain injury. Uh, we find, unfortunately, that there are many, if not most attorneys, really are not prepared for uh, representing a person with a brain injury because it, it is such a unique type of injury uh, with very many different components to it. And what makes it particularly difficult for the attorney as well as the public, as our listeners already know, is that it's an invisible injury. Yeah. A person looks fine, may sound fine, um, may walk and, and talk without a problem, yet that that individual is suffering um, from a variety of injuries or disorders that affect every aspect of their life. But to members mm -hmm. of the public, they seem to be just fine. And that right. causes attorneys a great deal of, of problems. And, you know, not even to, to mention that I mean independent medical exam. Um, that's something I hear over and over and over in my Facebook group. Um, and maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about that process when you're representing someone with a brain injury. Um, I, I know this is a really, really broad topic, but maybe you can uh, hone it. Well, the first thing that uh, – an attorney representing a person with a brain injury has to do is get to know that individual and get to know the unique problems that that in individual has and understand the effect that the injury has not only on the survivor, but on the survivor's entire family, their spouse, their children, if it's a child who has a brain injury on, on the parent. Um, this is all important to understand who the person was before the injury took place, and who they are now. Now, that requires a lot of work on behalf of an attorney. It requires you to spend the time with your client to get to know them, to get to know their friends as well, people they've worked with, because in order for that attorney to properly explain the injury in a, in a court of law to a jury, the jury has to understand who this individual was before this injury and who this person is now. The way we look at these cases is that this is no different than working with a family as a result of a death of an individual, what the law would call a wrongful death case. Because in effect, after a brain injury, the survivor has died and is now a new person, a different person. And it's, it's just a lot of work to explain all of this to a jury. So th that's step number one. An attorney has to understand who it is that they're representing. And then they have to also understand what a brain injury is, how a brain injury is caused, different ramifications of that injury. There are healthcare costs that get um, have to get evaluated. How much will it take to, to care for that person over the course of their lifetime? It's not just medical care that a person with a brain injury needs. It's all kinds of other support services as well. Um, then there are economic damages caused by lost employment opportunities um, that that individual has sustained not only the work that they can't do now, but work that they could have done in the future, and, and they're deprived of that opportunity. 
So that has to go into the equation. You also have to understand all the benefits that your client might be entitled to under the Social Security system, under Medicare, under Medicaid, under different states' waivers program, because when you undertake to represent a person with a brain injury, um, you really undertake to represent every a part of their problem, and you can't ignore um, these various other aspects of the, of the case. If it's a child, you have to understand the education system and how to advocate for that child in the school system to make sure that they get the services they need as well. And you have to understand um, goes on for a person with a brain injury to neuropsychological testing oh, yeah. <laughs> in order to uh, successfully prosecute this case and understand sometimes what the insurance company is, is trying to do and how they're trying to cr- create misinformation. Mm-hmm. Could you even go a step further talking about that? Because I think it's something that people are very, very surprised by when they get to that point <laughs> in their case, the IME, the independent medical exam, which is done by the, 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 you know, the other attorney or the insurance company. Um, and they're very surprised by it and the way that they're made to feel. Um, so maybe it would be worth spending a minute talking about that and, and what someone should expect and why it happens. Well, f- first, it's a misnomer to call it an independent medical examination because <laughs> it's anything but an independent medical examination. It's, exactly. it's an insurance medical examination it's an examination that's paid for by the insurance company, uh, theoretically, to verify the injuries that the individual has and make sure that what the injury um, the person is claiming to have is, is indeed valid and true. Um, and th- that concept, um, theoretically, one should have no problems with. The only problem is that's not how it works in practice. Because these insurance carriers, unfortunately, find the best doctors that money can buy. And they pay doctors, unfortunately, who are prone to minimize the injuries that an individual has mm-hmm. and to uh, causes to those injuries other than the accident and even claim that the individual might be what they call malingering or exaggerating their symptoms. Now, what does an attorney do or what should an attorney do uh, in order to counter this on the part of the insurance companies? First, you need to have a full and frank conversation with your client so that they understand that this examination is not a friendly examination and that the doctor doing this examination is not their friend. They have to understand that they need to be truthful and forthright and use their best efforts in this examination uh, in order to, 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 to show this doctor that they are trying as hard as they can and um, are using their best effort uh, on the test. But it's also important that the attorney film this examination with, with video camera or have someone with knowledge present in that examining room so that everything is on the up and up and honest. And what eventually is put down on a piece of paper in a report is really truthful. Now, the only way to 
um, to do that is to video this exam or have someone present uh, so that everything can be verified. And as President Reagan once said, trust but verify. That's very important. <laughs> it's also important that the attorney obtain the raw data from any testing that's done during this examination. Just because an examiner gives someone a neuropsychological battery of tests doesn't mean that that testing was scored properly. So what we need to do is get those results, give it to our own neuropsychologist or a third independent neuropsychologist to make sure that the testing was scored accurately. Uh, because we find, unfortunately, that sometimes that's not the case. And although the person has really, truly performed poorly on the ex exams, the testing results that in the report say the person performed fine. Well, that's because the, the testing wasn't scored properly. So, so that's important as well. And then it's important to understand the uh, tricks that are pulled during the course of these tests by these examining doctors and the... Um, opinions that they come to because if you don't understand what's happening then you cannot properly cross-examine that individual for instance how much time is a person allowed for this test well are they given an unlimited amount of time to answer questions are they allowed to go back and change their answers are they given a practice round before the testing takes place? Has the questions and procedure been properly explained to them? All of this can affect the results. Is the testing done in a quiet environment? Um, are there interruptions during the course of this testing? What's the condition of the person taking the test on that particular day? Are they on the uh, any medication at that moment that might affect their performance on these tests. These are all important issues that the attorney has to address both before and after the testing takes place. And that's why it's important that a person with a brain injury obtain the services of, a, of an attorney that truly understands traumatic brain injury and its repercussions. And that sort of brings me to my next question of, okay, so I know this is a bit of a loaded question because every state, you know, is different. Um, what should someone do if they've been injured, whether it's at work, a car accident, a slip and fall, whatever it might be? Um, what's the first step they should do uh, with, you know, looking for a lawyer and even just understanding if they have any legal rights? Well, the, the first thing they have to do is to seek medical care. Before they seek legal care, they have to take care of themselves. Um, and and um, in, in this process of attending to themselves and their needs, they also have to seek out an attorney or their family has to seek out an attorney for them as soon as possible because it's important to be able for that attorney to preserve vital evidence that might be necessary in order to establish the fault of the other side in causing the accident. So it's important to get an attorney. But what the person needs to do is find an attorney that understands brain injury. And there are some questions that um, I have prepared um, for individuals 
that they can keep in mind when they are interviewing attorneys to determine if that attorney is indeed the proper attorney for their case. So what you need to find out is how many cases similar to yours has that particular attorney handled? You want to find out what percentage of that attorney's practice is devoted to representing persons with a traumatic brain injury. You want to ask that attorney if they will be personally handling your case or if they will have associates handling your case. If they have associates handling your case, what kind of supervision will this particular attorney give to your case? And will you be able to contact that attorney and meet with that attorney to discuss your case? You want to find out what kind of results this attorney and law firm have had in the past in terms of representing persons with a brain injury. You want to find out something about the knowledge of this attorney um, in regard to brain injury. So you have to find out if they've ever written or published any articles regarding the legal representation of a person with a brain injury. Have they ever lectured to any bar associations, brain injury associations, or other groups on how to effectively represent a person with a brain injury? You should find out if they belong to their state's brain injury association to determine what their commitment is to brain injury survivors. Do they attend conferences and lectures on brain injury to keep up with the science? And have they received any professional honors or awards in regard to representing a person with a brain injury? These type of questions and the answers that an individual uh, will, will receive will be able to allow that individual to determine if the attorney that they are sitting with is proper for them. Because unfortunately, um, in today's day and age with the internet, anybody and everybody can call themselves a brain injury attorney. Right. That doesn't mean that they are truly qualified to represent a person with a brain injury. You know, and I know in my case, in the beginning, you know, I mean, you're so, you're so concussed and disoriented and, you know, it didn't, um, and I mean, it was probably two weeks later when a friend was like, you know, I think you should probably talk to my friend. He's an attorney. And it happened to turn out that he himself had suffered a brain injury. Um, and so he, you know, was pretty versed in, in the topic. And, um, you know, I, I think that's an important point. You, know, you said obviously seek medical care, take care of yourself, but um, sometimes we don't even think about it because, I mean, hello, we have a brain injury. We're not thinking properly. Um, so I think, you know, it's a valid point if you know someone um, to maybe just ask them if they considered it and even offer to help, help your friend or your loved one um, seek out the proper representation. Yes, very true. That's very true. And it's sometimes it's important that when you meet with the attorney that you take someone with you yes. who you trust mm -hmm. and, as, as someone that you could speak to and get their opinion about um, this representation and, and during the course of the representation, because indeed that you, you yourself have some cognitive difficulties with memory and comprehension and concentration that you bring someone with you to your meetings with the attorney so that when you leave that meeting, uh, you could speak to your friend, or your loved one, and 
really go through again what took place in that meeting. Um, so there are no misunderstandings um, and that you um, are on the same page with that attorney. Now, the attorney has to also understand that when he, he meets with, with you, that you might not be capable of sitting there for a very long period of time for this meeting, and you might need a lot of breaks during the course of this meeting, and you can't shift among many different topics during the course of the meeting. So th this attorney has to understand how to effectively communicate with you. That's not your problem. That's the attorney's problem. And you need to make sure that that attorney really truly understands on how to communicate with their client who has a brain injury. And Michael, what, you know, and I mean, again, I know this is going to be a really broad answer, but um, what, what should someone expect with a legal case? Um, I know they can go on for years and years and I, I have a good friend um, who is dealing with an auto uh, accident injury and, you know, she's coming up on like five years and her friends are like, I can't believe you're not settled yet. And, you know, my lawyer even told me my injury case can take a long time because we need to establish whether or not you're going to get better. Um, so do you have any comments on the timeline? Well, you're correct. These these cases can take a very long time, and a lot of it depends on, on the underlying facts of the case and how many different entities or individuals are being sued and the jurisdiction uh, where the where the case is, is being brought, those are all factors that go into it. Um, so it indeed can take a long time. But w what the important should understand is first, uh, the attorney should be in communication with the individual and their family to keep them abreast to developments in their case. Um, so that there is a back and forth communication between the parties um, so th that the individual is not kept in in the dark. And the attorney um, must also treat the individual with a brain injury with respect at all times. And if that attorney is not treating their brain injured client with respect, then it is time for that individual to think about obtaining a new attorney. Um, it's, the attorney should not be sitting there poo-pooing the client's injury, um, telling the client that they look fine, can't understand why they're making these complaints, that there's really nothing wrong with them, that they should get on with their life, things like that that I hear, unfortunately, from individuals um, in regard to communications that they've had with their attorneys. That's just plain wrong. The client deserves better. And if that is the type of representation that the individual is getting, that individual has a right, always has a right, to change attorneys at any time in the legal process. That is always the client's right. And if the client isn't being treated with respect, that is something that the client should consider. And thank you for bringing that point up because I think there is a misnomer um, in general that you can't fire your attorney. Um, and 
like you just said, you have every right to seek new counsel if you don't feel you're being treated properly. Um, And, you know, I mean, we hear enough crap from people outside of, you know, medical and legal, like we don't need our lawyer not believing in us too. And so it's, it's vital to have a lawyer who understands and trusts you and believes in you. I mean, you have, you have to have that trust with your lawyer because, you know, you're putting so much into their hands. Um, you know, that, that's such a vital, vital point that you just made. Um, Michael, what, you know, have we, have we missed any steps here? Is there anything we haven't brought up that you think is real important for our listeners to understand um, when it comes to legal rights after brain injury? I think we've covered a lot today. We we could go on for actually hours and hours <laughs> on, on this particular topic, but I think we've given your listeners enough right now to think about and understand and, and how to go about trying to obtain the services of an attorney who truly is a brain injury attorney. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I I know that, uh, um, you know, you're headed out to get your award, and that's so exciting. Congratulations. I, I just think that's so wonderful that you're being recognized for that um, with your teaching. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And. And let me thank you so much for all the great work that you do on behalf of brain injury survivors and all the great writing that you do that really serves to educate me as an attorney on how to effectively represent a person with a brain injury. And I look forward to seeing you in Washington next month for the conference. Yes, yes, that's kind of so fast. Oh, and one thing, Michael, we did not touch on, and I want to make sure we mention, um, is your law firm, you guys are offering the Brain Injury ID card. And I know tons of people in my group have been posting pictures of their card, and I have the opportunity to see it in person in in Washington. Um, And how can an individual get this card? What is the website to visit to get their own ID card? So first... um We're really gratified that we've started this program. We've already uh, provided over 2,000 cards to brain injury survivors, and these cards are are complimentary. And all you need to do is go to our website, www.brainlaw.com. Scroll to the bottom of the home page where you'll find a link to uh, access this very simple application to get the card, all we require is your name, your address, the contact information, the person that you want as the emergency contact, and the emergency uh, the phone number for that contact. That's it. Um, we will customize the card for you, and we will send you the card. It kind of looks like a driver's license. When it's finished, uh, you could see a prototype of the card on our website. Uh, we're about a month behind right now. So from the time that you apply for the card and fill out the application online, it takes about 30 days before we're able to process it because of the volume. Uh, But we will be pleased to send you that card. And again, it's complimentary. No one will bother you. No one will contact you. No one will email you. Um, It's just a service that we are providing to brain injury survivors because we uh, see the absolute need for this 
type of card. And it's very well done. Um, you know, it's it's to be kept in your wallet. It's something to use. Um, you know, perhaps you've been in an accident or, you know, you're interacting with someone um, that doesn't understand a brain injury. And you can show them this card and it gives some of the symptoms that you might present with, like, for instance, slurred speech, um, uncoordinated, loss of balance, you know, it lists some of those things that we're sometimes accused of perhaps being intoxicated. um, And we're not, we just have a brain injury. So thank you so much for creating this card. Um, I'm so pleased to hear that so many people, you know, it's a good problem to have that you're, that you have a backlog. (laughs) There's definitely a need for it. So thank you and your, your staff so very much for this card. You're very welcome. And again, you go to www.brainlore.com to access the form to fill, fill out to, to obtain this card. Brainlaw.com. It's a very short application. It's very easy. I did it myself. So thank you so much, Michael, and I will see you next month. That's great. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you got some valuable information today from Michael. Um, I know, you know, the legal side can be so confusing and such muddy water to navigate. So I hope that you got some great tips from Michael today. And just a reminder, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And on Facebook, be sure to follow Faces of TBI. Another big thank you to Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for being a part of my journey. I will see you all again next time. Bye, everyone.